Welcome to Straight and Curly, a podcast for self-improvement junkies. I'm Kelly Exeter. And I'm Carly Jacobs. This is episode 119. Hello and welcome to Straight and Curly. Let's jump straight into our review of the week. It says, this is from My Audio Bible. Uh, by Looney Tunes. I was going to say, I'm the title not... is My Audio Bible. Thanks very oh. much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got that totally wrong. Um, so, yeah, so the title is My Audio Bible and it's by Looney Tunes. I'm not exaggerating when I say this podcast has changed my life. Kelly and Carly are just so real. They don't pretend to be experts, but rather just give honest, avi- honest advice about what has helped them, which I've found to work for me too and follow religiously. I never miss an episode of SNC, even episodes I don't think will interest slash be of relevance to me. I still find useful. Yeah, thanks so much, Looney Tunes. And I do love this review because a few weeks ago on the show, we we did a show on publishing books, writing courses and getting paid to write. And a lot of people said they listened to that show even though the topic wasn't really relevant to them and they still learned some stuff and they really enjoyed it. And I kind of really enjoyed listening to the two of us talk about something we were both very passionate about. So, um, yeah. I loved that feedback too. It was so yeah. nice because sometimes I do wonder when we do rogue episodes that people <laughs> might not be interested in that if people would still listen to it. But it's just so nice to hear that people just listen to it anyway. And it was just, yeah, I, I really loved that. So thank you. And there was like six people or something yeah, that, yeah. Said that, that gave us the exact same feedback. So thank you to everyone who gave us that feedback. It was really lovely. Yes. And also, yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, maybe go listen to it because you might be surprised at what you learn. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, Carl's on to your random thing of the week and you promised you've got a great one this week so no pressure I do I do well I mean it was it was a great moment for me or a weird (laughs) moment for me so hopefully other people will enjoy it um it's it's very random I think is where I was going with um with the it being a good one this week so we finally have NBN in our house which is unbelievable because we've been waiting for it for so long but that means like when we had our old internet Ben got our modem and stuck it like really high. We've got very high ceilings in our house and he stuck it up really, really high on this rafter that's like right underneath our high roof. <laughs> and um, so we needed to get that down because we it needed to be disconnected and it was raining and he was like, oh, I just couldn't be bothered going outside to get the ladder. So he came up with this plan of getting it down where I would pull it by the cord <laughs> and it would fall <laughs> off the ledge and then he would catch it. So we were like, yeah, this is a great plan. It's an awesome idea and then we were just kind of like this is either an awesome idea or a really really bad idea but the plan was was that if I yanked it then he would be able to catch it because if he yanked and caught it it just seemed like a better plan that it was a two-person job (laughs) so I was like underneath the door into our study and he would put down we just bought a cot mattress and so he put the cot mattress down on the floor in case it landed on the ground so that it didn't break and then just as we were about to do it Ben was like I'm gonna record this because this is gonna be hilarious something really funny is gonna happen And so we recorded it and everything went totally according to the plan. But I made this unbelievably strange, guttural, like banshee style (laughs) scream that like you've ever heard. And I didn't even know that I could make noises like that. It was so funny. And there's actual video evidence of this. So if anyone wants to see it, let me know and I'll chuck it in the Facebook group. But um, yeah, it was it was very, very funny just watching us do this incredibly stupid thing that actually worked out quite well. Um, and also me just making this incredibly strange noise that I didn't know I could make. So that was, that was my random thing of the week. And, you know, one of the results of what happens when you're too lazy to go 
outside in the rain and get the ladder. <laughs> this is an example of like Carly and Ben's lives. Like you guys <laughs> should have your own reality TV show. I think it would actually be hilarious just quietly. Um, <laughs> just like the, the, the poor decisions of Carly and Ben. <laughs> yeah, but that actually come off. Um, yeah. All right. So on to recommendation of the week. And my recommendation of the week is Megan Larson's book, Startups and Self-Care, which by the time this episode airs, will you know have been out for a few weeks. Um, and look, I'm biased because I was Megan's editor, but look, her book is really good. So she, uh, if you don't know who Megan Larson is, she founded Sadashi Skincare 19 years ago. And oh, I've heard of Sadashi. Yeah, it's um, it is. It's just a very ethical, completely all natural brand of skincare. And Megan founded that business because that you know all natural skincare didn't really exist nineteen years ago. And she, Definitely not. I don't even think it was a consideration back then. And, and that's it. So she kind of had to build this whole business. Like she had to educate the market because before she could even build the business. So her book kind of talks about that story of being a pioneer in an industry and, you know, the challenges that come with that and how, you know, the tiny little pivots that she made that took it to where it is today. Um, and then, you know, she shares her, like the base premise of the book is that you can build this big global brand without, you know, completely burning out and falling apart all the time. And she has really strong self-care practices. And so she shares in the book what her self-care practices are and how to build your own. And it's just, it's just a good book. I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud to have worked on it with Megan. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to see, you know, by the time this comes out, it will have been out and we would have heard what people think of it. Um, and I'm just excited for her because it's like everything that's been in her head for 19 years is now in this book and now out in the world. And, yeah, I think if you have a business, it's worth getting. It's a good book. So yeah. Maybe they might want to read it in the book club. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Be a good that, book club that book. would make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Books just like in the just... book club make me nervous. <laughs> Everyone in the book club is amazing. So that's a shout out for the um the Straight and Curly book club guys. If you um didn't realize, we have got a Straight and Curly book club where we kind of talk about self improvement books. Uh, and the girls in there who run it are fabulous. So just search Straight and Curly book club on Facebook and you will find it. And make sure you answer the questions to get in. Otherwise, we'll block you. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll block you so hard. So your recommendation, um, Carl's. My recommendation of the week is the podcast, My Father the Murderer. So I've got a friend called Beck Day who some of you may actually know because she writes um, for Kidspot and a few other places. Uh, we actually went to high school together, so we've yeah. sort of randomly ended up in the same place. Um, and she worked on it with her mate Nina, whose dad is a murderer. And in her journey, it's basically wow. about her friend <laughs> – it's actually, it's, it's really, really good. And so it's this, this woman's journey of talking to her mum about how she ended up with a convicted murderer and how she decided to have a child with this guy. And there's amazing interviews with her mum, who just seems like the most sensible, amazing person and just ended up. It's, it's really fascinating. Like I've only listened to two episodes because I think at the time of recording this, there's only two out. Um, but the one thing I'm finding so fascinating is basically the mum who just is, it seems like the nicest, most wonderful person who, um, and it's not like it, 
I'm trying to talk about it without ruining it. I'm yeah. just going to stop. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the, the whole, the, the mum thing is the thing that I'm finding really fascinating at the moment. And I'm just so proud of Beck and her work. And she's just a really rad human who does heaps of really cool stuff. And she's just, it's just a delight listening to her. And it's also given me a really odd insight into what it must be like for people who know us to listen to our podcast. <laughs> because for me, it feels like I'm eavesdropping on Beck because I know her voice so well and I know her mannerisms so well and she's talking to this person who I don't know, but I feel like they're having a phone conversation and I've just like picked up the phone and I'm listening as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's very odd, but she's, she's amazing. And, um, yeah, Beck is awesome. And if you see any work by Beck Day, she's incredible. Um, and if you're a true crime fan, it's an Australian true crime, uh, kind of, family-based drama type thing, but it's it's really, really good and you should definitely listen to it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'll get onto that. I'm in the market for a new podcast at the moment. Um, okay, so onto If You Were Our Best Friend, and it's a little bit of a longish one, so I'm going to give it a crack. Um, so Jemima says, I have been studying a double degree in psychology and primary education for the past six years. I started off full-time but then began working more, so I moved to part-time study. I've now got one year to go and I'm chomping at the bit to finish my studies and actually start my career. However, my career goals have changed somewhat since I chose this degree at the young age of 18. I initially did the, you know, I made the decision to do the double degree as I saw teaching as the straightforward career option with the psychology for the fun on the side. Over the past few years, though, I found the education subjects increasingly frustrating and have struggled to stay motivated to do assignments and attend classes. Um, I'll skip over a little bit because it's very long, but the issue she said is, I, do I continue to do the double degree or do I just drop down to a single psychology degree? So she said, I have one year left to study regardless of which option I choose. And a lot of my family and friends have the view of it's just one more year. Don't give up now. But she said the amount of work involved in that year is incredibly different for both options. So she's got two psychology subjects left, one for each semester next year, but she has six education subjects left. And this involves doing two subjects in summer school and two four-week prac teaching blocks, good old teaching. Um, and she'll oh, have those uh, pracs. Oh, man. And she said, you know, she'll have to take annual leave from work and possibly also some leave without pay to do those prac teaching blocks. So she said, I guess my question to you is do you think having the education degree will be worth all the extra work and the heck step i'm aiming to get into human resources and we'll probably do some postgrad study in a few years to help with this will having the education part of the degree open other career doors or will it be just nice to have Carly. <laughs> so I'm uniquely qualified to answer this. Uh, although I've barely used my education degree, I don't regret getting it for one second. However, if you have no intention of getting into teaching, the prax and the extra work and the expense are just not worth it. Um, if you have a plan to teach eventually though, just do it now and get it over with. I know heaps and heaps of people who always thought they'd end up in teaching eventually and they just put it off. Do, they put off doing their training and never get around to it. And I've, you know, a lot of my friends have done teaching um, as mature age students and they were like, I just wish I had have just knuckled down and done it 
when I had the chance, like back when I was doing uni in my early twenties. Mm. Um, but that's only if you fully intend on teaching. I think a nice to have degree is an expensive luxury in both money and time. Another thing that you probably haven't considered is that your teaching degree is only going to be worth something if you are in the teaching profession and doing all of the registration and professional development that you need to do to stay in that teaching profession. So I ended up, I was paying my registration and doing all of the um, extracurricular stuff that you have to do to maintain being registered as a teacher. I haven't done that in the past two years. Um, so my teaching degree is kind of useless right now. If I wanted to get back into teaching, I'd have to re-register and yeah. I think I'd have to get like a school to sponsor me or something. Like it's a whole nightmare. It's not like once you have your teaching degree, you can dip in and out of the education system. You need to actually be a part of This is also Victoria, but it's pretty similar in most other states. You have to have some degree of registration and prove to a governing body that you are doing or it's such it's such rubbish but the point is is that it's not as simple as having a teaching degree so if you're not going to use it to actively teach then I, I wouldn't pursue getting it yeah that I had a very sure answer to this and that was that no the education degree is not worth the extra work and the head step if you re- if you just don't have any intention of teaching if you know and it sounds like Jemima knows for sure she has no interest in teaching in a classroom. Um, so to me, you know, as painful as it is, you could always go back and complete that later if it turns out to be something you do actually want to do, but you're pretty sure about not wanting to do it. And just, yeah, if it was only a little bit of extra work, I'd say just do it. But the sheer amount of work and the fact you'll have to take annual leave and the hex debt that you will incur because of it, I just don't think it's worth it right now. And, and pracs are painful enough when you yeah. are intending on teaching. It's basically <laughs> I, just like teaching like for I free know, for eight but, weeks. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the, the wife of an ex-teacher. So, yeah, I just remember those prac times and no, nobody enjoys prac, even though no. everyone says they learnt more from prac than they did from the whole teaching Oh, group. totally. <laughs> you have to do your prac. It's definitely worth it. But still, it's just like I'm basically just a free monkey yeah. for eight weeks. <laughs> cool. All right. So topic of the day today is how to live a meaningful life. So last week we spoke about the science around happiness and something that came through loud and clear from the science is that humans need to feel like their lives have meaning in order for them to achieve any level of contentment or happiness. Like I, I use the word contentment because I hate happiness. It's a kind of a, I see happiness as just a state, but if you want to have a life that is generally content, uh, you need to feel like your life has some meaning. And so we thought today we would explore this whole concept of a meaningful life, um, starting with what even is a meaningful life. And we did ask in the Facebook um, Facebook group, and this is what people <laughs> had to say, Carl's. So Kirsty says that uh, making a positive contribution to the lives of people I care about and love and through the work that I do, my writing along with environmental science career. Uh, Vanessa was very short and sweet and she said relationships are what give her life meaning. Tara Lee says giving, receiving, growth, learning and progress as an individual and with my partner, self-care activities, nature, animals, fresh air, sunshine, simple quality time with quality people in my life. Uh, Maddie said, achieving the things that I've set out to achieve gives my life meaning. Being able to look back on the year like, yes, I worked hard and now I've got what I wanted feels like I've really used my time well and not wasted it just living without a plan. 
I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> we'd be, we would both <laughs> like that one. <laughs> Anna says, this is probably going to make me sound a bit bonkers slash shallow, but self-acceptance has really allowed me to lead a more meaningful life. I've wasted so many years feeling so inadequate when making the mistake of comparing myself to others and feeling like I fall short of the mark in many ways. I really, really like that one. Same. That I don't think good. that sounds bonkers or shallow at no, all. I think I, that was a really clear intelligent um, yeah. answer um and finally we, we had lots of responses but we couldn't say them all but finally noga said i think a meaningful life for me is a life where i leave anything in a better shape than i find it where i keep making small steps towards better relationships better physical and mental health better knowledge better mindset better habits etc my meaning is in the small details of my life shaping them to be part of a process and not afterthoughts so i really like that one that was kind of like Noga took what was in my head and put it yeah. on paper. Thank you, Noga. <laughs> um, so on to the topic of a meaningful life and festival, can we even define meaning? So Martin Seligman, who is considered the father of positive psychology, uh, he sees meaning has having kind of three aspects. So the first aspect is belonging. The second aspect, it is serving something beyond yourself. And the third aspect is developing the best within you. So kind of that's what's going to be the format of this part of the show today. We're just going to work through those three things and talk about how these three aspects kind of manifest in our own lives. Um, and it's interesting to see how those three things actually do line up with the answers everybody gave in the group about what gives their life meaning because it most of everyone's answers fell within kind of that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So the first aspect is um, is belonging. And so, Carl's, what does belonging mean to you and feel, and, you know, and how does it work in your life? I think that feeling included, genuinely included in a group of people is extremely important for all humans. The good news is that I believe that this can come in any form. Like it could be family or friends or a hobby group that you're a part of or a sport team that you're on. Um, I'm very lucky in that I have an amazing immediate family and a great extended family as well. And I never take that security and support for granted. My friendship group is also extremely solid. So they mostly live in Canberra, but it's the same group of about eight people I've been friends since. Since I was about 17. And it's those secure connections that are, I find them incredibly empowering. And I think recognizing the importance of those connections is a really great exercise in nurturing those groups that you feel that you belong to. So I think if other people can pinpoint those groups that they feel very secure within um, and try to take some time to respect those groups and nurture those groups because like, you know, my friends that live in Canberra, I see them as regularly as I can, but you know, I, I live very far away, so it, it's not that easy. But when I feel like, um, you know, I, when I feel disconnected from them, yeah. I make the effort to go to Canberra and th- they, they make the effort as well. So there's, uh, there's one couple that, um, I always contact when I go to Canberra and they just rally everyone for me. They'll be like, Carly's here. Everyone come over. So it'll be, and we'll all just go and hang out there. And it's just sort of become this ritual that happens sort of three to four times a year. Um, and yeah, I, I, it, it it's that particular connection that, um, I get so much more out of that group than I can really describe to people. Like yeah. they're so important to me. So, and I think nurturing that um, is is really important. Yeah. I mean, I see belonging as kind of like something that tethers you to earth. Like, you know, if you want to get a little bit woo, um, <laughs> you know, like, you know, sometimes when I feel a bit like I'm drifting away and a bit untethered, it's those relationships and those groups of people. Like I, th- 
my thing is it's so important to have people in your life that you are just really sure of. Like you know they've got your back. You know that they love you unconditionally. And it's, you know, if I look back on times in my life where I felt really at sea and a bit untethered, it's, you know, where I wasn't sure where I sat within a friendship group or where maybe Ant and I were having a hard time. Um, You know, these key relationships I do feel kind of tether me to earth and give my life, give me a reason, not to give me a reason to be here, but it's operating in those groups and making a different in difference in those groups gives my life meaning and those relationships also give back to me as well. So, you know, yeah, anytime I've had like a big blow up with someone who's very close to me or within my family. Like that really, really unhinges me because I feel like I don't have a sense of my place in the world. So yeah, I definitely derive a lot of meaning from the relationships that I have and from having a strong sense of where I sit in the circles that, you know, I move in and through. Um, so yeah, so then on to aspect number two of, you know, a meaningful life, and that is serving something beyond yourself. And, you know, a lot of people call this your purpose. So essentially this is kind of like your why in life. The, you know, a lot of people say this is the thing that gets them out of bed in the morning. So Carly, what's your why in life? I really hope that mine doesn't come across as sounding trite or little Miss Mary Sunshine, <laughs> but I, my why is that I I want to make sure that everyone leads a joy-filled life. And I think that's whether through finding an amazing exercise plan or pursuing a career that they love or having the confidence to distance themselves from toxic people. It just breaks my heart to think of anyone going through the motions of life and, you know, like not feeling empowered to be able to make positive changes in their own life. So that why actually comes into everything I do. So I think a lot of people who, you know, follow me, you know, online or if they've been a fan of Smaggle or if they listen to Straight and Curly, it seems like a lot of what I do is very random. And I guess it, it, it kind of is. But everything I do, Smaggle, Crochet Coach, Straight and Curly, all of that stuff leads back to creating joy in people's lives and helping people create something that, you know, a, a life that they can be proud of. And I, I just want people to be able to jump out of bed in the morning and live this beautiful, beautiful, magnificent life that they've been given. And, you know, that that could be in any different form. It could be through, you know, finding a, a wonderful sport team that they're a part of or learning to crochet or, you know, listening to the self-improvement podcast that we do and finally getting up the the nerve to quit the job that they hate and pursue something that they love more. So, yeah, I hope that doesn't sound no, like, so. like I'm Oprah. Lovely. And I think you do do that. And, yeah, I think we've got to be careful not to, I don't mean, obviously there's less worthy whys than others, as in my why is to make as much money as possible and spend more. <laughs> but I just don't think there's too many people who have that as their why. Um, you know, so I think a lot of people who make a lot of money, often they love making money because they get to be generous with it. But, um, yeah, I think we need all the whys. Um, you know, some people want to save the world. Some people just want to save, like, you know, the dog at the local pound. And I think everything, we need all those things. Um, so, like, my why sounds a bit airy-fairy, but I mean, we're both justifying our whys here. It's really bad. <laughs> um, but I just want to leave the world in a better shape than I found it, and I want to raise compassionate, self-aware kids 
who will effectively do the same. And I think like the thing that I believe most strongly in is the power of small ripples. So like the small positive actions that we take in our family units and in our friendship groups that feel of no consequence, I really feel that they do have consequence. Um, And I feel like the more I model good behavior or practice good self-care or have an open mind about something, I feel this empowers the people around me to, you know, make small positive decisions and take small positive actions. Um, And I will admit that quite often I get caught up watching friends who are like, they're activists on a really large scale. And I think, oh, far out, like I'm just not doing enough. I could be doing so much more. But then I remind myself that if we all operated at that level of this big, noisy activist, then the world would be a really big, noisy place and none of their messages would get heard. So I feel like the world needs the big, noisy agitators, but it also needs, you know, people like me who are just beavering away very quietly, but still having an impact. And I think if we all beave it away very quietly if we don't have it in us to like try and do those big activist type things the cumulative effect for the world would just be humongous so it's you know worth doing yeah i like that yeah um and then the third aspect is obviously something that carly and i are very big on and it's kind of the whole premise of this show is and you know deriving meaning we need to develop the best within ourselves so Humans, whether we like to acknowledge it or not, we are inherently driven to be better. It is our competitive advantage. We've got lots of competitive advantages in the animal kingdom, but this internal drive that humans have to be better and to seek more is another competitive advantage that we have. Um, So for me, self-improvement it crosses so many things. Like it's not just the really obvious, um, you know, it's obviously about being as healthy as I can be. Um, and I don't know, as productive and effective as I can be, but you know, it's also about being the best person I can be and putting myself in a position where I have good resilience. So, cause I just think like people who are in survival mode, like all they can do is, the very basics, and they're not in a position to help other people. So if I can operate outside of survival mode and, you know, live a life that's relatively as you know, low on stress as possible and has white space in it, then I'm in a position to help others. Um, and I also think self-improvement is about being informed and trying to be open-minded and not buying into the outrage machine that is the internet. Um, I think it's about learning to interpret information and understand agendas and, you know, think for myself rather than just going along with other, you know, with what other people think. So I think there's a lot of things that contribute to, you know, me being the best person I can be. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of criticism around around self-improvement out there. I but, totally agree. You know? I think that people think it's kind of selfish and um, a bit kind of uh, unnecessary and a bit, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I kind of feel like, I really hate using this term because I think it's a terrible term, but it feels very, um, there's a lot of people who think it's quite, you know, basic bitchy. Like, <laughs> you know, when you've got like, you know, the concept of the basic bitch, it, the self-improvement kind of feels like it's a very basic thing to do. 
Um, that that's just sort of feedback that I've kind of picked up from around the traps, but I just, yeah, I, I don't agree with any of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I do acknowledge that self-improvement is the realm of the privileged and, Definitely. you know, like I said before, if you're fighting for survival, you're not in a position to self-improve, but I do feel that those of us who are not fighting for survival should be striving to be better, um, in as, you know, not to the point of driving ourselves into a ground and being stressed out and, oh, my God, we can't keep up, but more in just being the best people we can be because when we're the best people we can be, the ripple effects, again, and I come back to ripple effects all the time, the ripple effects are significant. So that's to me that's what drives my drive for self-improvement is not necessarily to take myself up any kind of ladder but more the acknowledgement of the fact that the better I am as a person – the better the ripple effects I'm creating. Like, so yeah, Kyle, how do you come at self-improvement? I I totally agree. And for me, it's about not accepting mediocrity or anything that's average. And it's also, um, it's about recognizing that uh, you might've been wrong about something and sometimes a different path is the answer. So I also kind of feel like people look at self-improvement as a destination, yeah. but it, it's, it's such a journey and you've got to imagine your, your self-improvement journey. You're on a train and the only thing you can really do, it's, it's an endless train track because <laughs> yeah. no matter, like until you die, it is an endless train track. You're never, ever going to reach a point of peak improved. You, you still yeah, you're always not have there, are you? There's no there when it comes to self-improvement. <laughs> like we should be developing as people till the day we die, whether we die at 60 or whether we die at 120, you know. Exactly. And you should be constantly changing your course and looking at another person's course and thinking, well, maybe that might work for me and then giving that a go. And you should never be afraid to actually change your course. You should never be afraid to admit that you were on the wrong course for a while and then you just change directions. But what you have to do is just stay on the tracks. You can't just let your train go flying off, off a cliff. You need to stick on your, stick on your rails. And the only thing you can do is change direction and do that as often as you need to um, do all the research that you that you need to in order to find a new path but yeah and just never never expect it to be like for instance like with with all of the you know weight challenges that I've had in my life and I've had a lot of success with intermittent fasting and ketogenic eating before I got pregnant obviously um, but that's kept me in very very good health throughout my pregnancy as well. I haven't been fasting while I've been pregnant but I've been still <laughs> eating my low my low carb high fat like low sugar uh, diet and it's been incredible. Um, but I don't feel like this is the end. Like uh, this is not the way I'm going to eat forever when I'm not pregnant anymore and not breastfeeding anymore. I'm definitely going to try different ways of intermittent fasting. I'm going to try different combinations of food. I've got, um, you know, there's, I've, I've got this little device thing that I've ordered that you can, it measures your breath to see if you're burning fat. So like you do it every morning and it'll tell you whether what you ate yesterday has put you in fat burning mode or not. Like this is, it, this is an ongoing journey. I yeah. haven't, like I, I, I had success but I want more success. So I'm going to keep nutting away at this and trying to figure out, you know, what the root of this problem is. And also it's just an acknowledgement that what we know now is not necessarily the be all and end all. Like, you know, I think so much of the stuff that I learned about nutrition and exercise and injury management, all these things that I learned at uni 
are now different. You know, the advice that we would give now is completely different to what we were taught at uni and the advice that we, you know, I gave 20 years ago. So I think it's... Well, it's the whole thing like how they've backtracked on eggs. There used to be this big thing about like you can only have six, like a maximum of six eggs a week. And now they're like, nah, man, you can have like three a day. Go for it. But but like my my mum and her mum, so the generations above me, still can't quite wrap their head around the fact that they can eat as many eggs as they like yeah. really like no one's no one's really going to eat more than 3 eggs a day like that's that's there is a lot of eggs but my <laughs> but my grandma's just like oh i love eggs i'd eat an egg every day if i could and i'm like you you, you, you can. can the problem is is that you you know you were raised your formative years and it's the same with the way that ben and i eat because we do eat higher fat than most other people and low carb. And it's something that um, our mums can't quite wrap their heads around because they were dieting in the 80s when everything was low fat. So yeah. they they, st- they can't get their heads around it. And they're like, how, like, you know, you're eating bacon, like it's so fatty, I don't understand. And I'm like, but that's the point. Like it's actually working because there's different – you know, stuff out there now. And like, I'll eat, I'll eat, a, I'll eat like half an avocado for lunch. And mum's like, oh, there's so much fat in that. And you're like, but it's good. It's fat, good fat like, and it's, it's satiating. And this is like, um, I guess this is what we would like, we most want to empower people to do through this show is not to mindlessly do things because it's a fad or because this is the, the thinking of the moment. Like we really want to empower people to try things on themselves, you know, do no harm, but try things on themselves, give it a good crack and see if it works for them or not. Not everything will. Keep the stuff that works and move on from the stuff that doesn't. But also keep an open mind. If there's something, if an alternative route opens up in the future, be open-minded enough to give it a go and try it out and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, and just keep repeating the process of self-experimentation throughout life. Um, and self-experimentation, just not, not just on the things that we put into our bodies or do from an exercise point of view, but also experiment on the ideas that you have and the ideologies that you have, um, you know, all, all these things. I feel they give life meaning because we're just always learning. And if you're always learning, it's quite exciting, you know, to to be like that. And um, I feel stuff like that gets me out of bed in the morning, like just learning new stuff and being exposed to new ideas and challenging those ideas and having other people challenge my ideas and learning from them. Like I think that's – I have – I get so much fun and satisfaction out of that. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Cool. So um, what do you do if you feel your life currently lacks meaning? Um, To me, choose one of the pillars above that we mentioned, one of the three pillars, which was one, belonging or the relationships that you have in life, two, serving something beyond yourself slash what is your purpose, what is your why, or three, developing yourself being the best that you can be. Just choose one, don't choose all three. And then be just be really intentional about how you go about that thing. Because um, I do believe that intention is another thing that really sits at the heart of a meaningful life. And I don't know if that's just the control freak in me, um, but I do feel quite untethered from the world when life is a bit out of control and I feel like choices are being made for me and I'm very reactive um, and I don't have any say in what's going on. And when I find myself in situations like that, I do find that taking back control of even just one small aspect of life life 
and being very intentional about how I go about that thing is really, really helpful. Um, and I do also find that intention in one area of life tends to have a flow on effect to other areas. Um, so yeah, so I guess my ultimate advice around this topic is if life is currently lacking meaning for you, like resist the urge to do something big and wild and instead just do something very small and intentional in one of those three areas and just see where it takes you and just follow the path. And I think once you set your foot on a path and start following something, that just gives you enough positive feedback because you're learning and you're trying stuff and you're experimenting that in itself is quite fun and exciting. It might just be like just the enough to make you feel like you're here for a reason. Um, Carl's? Um, I actually find we've spoken about this a few times on the podcast. Um, this is an idea that I got from Chrissy from Hair Romance. It's called the Feel Good Folder. And whenever I get positive feedback from anyone, like through Smaggle or Crochet Coach or anything, I just always put it in this Feel Good Folder so I can read it whenever I feel like my life is lacking meaning. So um, just reading about how crochet has helped someone through a tough bout of depression or that Smaggle has helped someone through um, a, the induction period at a new workplace – so when, when you do the kind of work that Kelly and I do, it can feel quite fruitless sometimes because sometimes you just feel like you're shouting yeah, into a you're void. Just like putting stuff out into the ether, like, and you just don't know if anyone is there or listening. Yeah, exactly. So, and, um, I think it's really important to, harness that feedback when you get it and put it in a safe place so that you can read it when you really need it. Um, one area I've been really wanting to work on is giving back. Um, I do charity projects through Smaggle and Crochet Coach and I've raised funds for lots of different charities, but one of my goals in the next few years is to build my business to the point where I can take a morning or an afternoon off every week and volunteer at a special needs school. Um, and I'd love to be able to take my daughter with me um, because I think it's really important for um, kids to be experienced exposed to um, different types of people and not, you know, be raised in a bubble, um, which is easy to do when when you have kids that are in the mainstream system. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing I'd really love to do And because I, I, I really loved being a part of that community and I loved working with special needs kids. So, if I could get myself back in that sector on a volunteer basis, that would be a really, really big goal reached for me. So, whenever I feel like my life doesn't have meaning, I look at that goal as a thing to be like, well, you've got to do this to get there and you've got to do this to get there. And it just kind of gives me a a more solid basis of why I do what I do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Cool. So that's, um, that's it for the topic of the day. Um, we're going to move on to the next segment of the show now, which is kicked ass, which is where Carl and kicked ass and kicked our ass, which is where Carly and I share something that happened, that was really, really good this week and something that kind of kicked our ass. Uh, so kicked ass. I'm very proud of myself for doing this. So at the end of last kind of school term, I had like this giant meltdown where I hated everybody in my family because <laughs> it was just a full on term and the kids were kind of doing like three sports each and all, it was just all the logistics of managing all of that. And there was birthday parties and there was school, they both had their school assembly in that term. It was the um, athletics carnival in that term and it, you know, school photos. So there was just so many things to keep across. And by the end of it, yeah, I was just, and you know, then by the end of it, I was feeling a bit like no one appreciates me and no one understands all the things I do to keep this family running smoothly, et cetera, et cetera. And so we had Jaden booked in to do um, cricket 
in summer, in the summer, um, first term and fourth, so fourth term this year, first term next year. But the thing is, um, we love our summer mornings because we get up earlier than most people. Like, our, our, well, we're ready to leave the house at seven. Um, Jesus. When, I know. Um, it's funny because we, I've got one other family who's the same as us. And it's funny because we rode past their house the other day at like 7.30 in the morning and they were all heading off for a ride as well. And I just laughed because I'm like, everybody else is in bed and they think we're nuts. But this is just how we operate. But we love getting to the beach at like 8 o'clock in summer and leaving the beach at 10 o'clock when everyone else, the whole of Perth is arriving and you can't get a park and everyone's losing you know, losing their mind. So I was like, you know what, Aunt? how about, Jane doesn't do cricket, how about we just have a chilled out, you know, fourth term with fewer commitments? And I was so proud of myself for doing that because ordinarily I was like, oh, he wants to do cricket. Of course you could do cricket. You know, you could do all the sports that you want. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, so that was my kicker ass. I decided against him doing cricket and it's just so lovely that um, we had our first Sunday morning last weekend where it was just like, ah, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. We don't have to be anywhere. And it was just lovely. So, anyway, anyone who's looking to – you know, looking for permission. Permission, you've got it. it. It's totally worth it. So, Carl's, you're kicked ass this week. So, I designed a really, really gorgeous kimono pattern for Crochet Coach, and it's oh, like I, nice. it, it took forever. Like, it's a, a the, the crochets are going to hate me. Like, so, sometimes they start a project and then they'll be like, "Um, how long is this going to take?" And I'll be like, "A really, really long time." It's like five years. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. It's, it's worth good. it. <laughs> but the worst thing is, is that I'm a really fast crocheter. So if something takes me like a month, and then someone will be like, "How long will this take me?" I'll be like, "You, you don't have it in you. Don't, don't do it. Like, <laughs> you, you, you're not." going to cope uh but it's just it's just really really beautiful and i'm super proud of it like i was wearing it the other day and i'm just like oh my god this is really gorgeous so i was like that's the best (laughs) cool um all right so kicked our ass is this is ruining my week at the moment and i we bought a new mattress and i'm so a devo because i rang up the mattress or the bed place and i said this is the mattress we've got at the moment i love it so much but it's dead it's eight years old um do you have this mattress? And they said, no, we don't, but we've got this equivalent mattress. Oh. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. And yeah, and I went and I, I lay on it in the showroom and it seemed fine. But of course you lay on something for like, for like 20, 20 minutes for 20 seconds, 20 seconds in a showroom. Cause you can't just kind of hang out on this bed, you know, while they're watching yeah. you. Um, and I was like, yeah, it seems not as good as, cause when we got our, the mattress we had previously, like we were coming off sleeping. Like, keep in mind, Aunt is six foot six. We had been sleeping in a double bed on this mattress that was just oh my God. so old and dodgy. Like it had a dent in the middle from Aunt's weight. So we both kind of fell into the middle of this mattress. So it was really bad. So when we got this new king size, amazing mattress, it felt like sleeping on a cloud. And um, so that's – and then we got this new mattress – Carly, it was like sleeping on the ground. Oh, no. You know when you're just so looking forward, you're like, oh, my God, we've got a new mattress. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to sleep on it. And then it was- and it also sucks that you loved your old one so oh. much and then this one just was awful. It's just, yeah, so I'm really devo. The guy, I rang them. And to be fair, like the, the guy at the mattress place said, look, we'll, we'll make good on this, but just, you know, keep in mind, mattresses take a little while to – 
everything has to open up and soften up. And I'm really, because like my previous mattress, I don't know if they came off the showroom floor or something, because there was no, like there was no settling in period. Like that was amazing right from the start. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is, this is kicking my ass at the moment. It's a week oh. on, it's still no good. Um, and so now of course I'm preparing for the whole having to go back to them and go, it's no good. And what are you going to do about it? Like conversations. So, God, that's horrific. (laughs) No, that's really bad. Like sleep is so important and having a shit mattress is awful. Yeah, it's kind of – I've gone kind of seven nights now where I've either had to like move to the couch or sleep in Mia's bed with her. Um, She's got a double bed. And, um, yeah, I haven't slept properly for for like a week. So I'm I'm a bit beside myself. So anyway – um, what kicked your ass, Carl's? Um, so uh, this is a kick ass, but it's also like it's a it's a kick to my ass, but it's also semi a kick ass. <laughs> so I pulled my neck in my sleep the other night because being a tummy sleeper and pregnant is shit. Oh yeah, um, oh my god, it's <laughs> really hard. And also, I'm just I'm just at that point. Like even though I'm not huge. I'm getting to the point where just like rolling over is just such an effort <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll be lying there. And if, if anyone is listening to this, who's been pregnant before, you get this special kind of hip pain yeah. when, when you're lying on your side, particularly if you've never slept on your side ever. And all of a sudden you have to do it all the time, but you get hip pain and then you'll just be like, I need to roll over because hip pain is unbearable. But then you're like, then I'm going to have to roll over. Like what's, <laughs> what's worse, the hip pain or rolling over. So it's, you know, it's that little, it's that battle kind of most nights. And to be fair, I'm actually, I'm sleeping very, very well, but I do wake up every kind of two to three hours with my hip pain dilemma. And then I also have to pee as well. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's, it's all that fun stuff. Welcome to my um, world. <laughs> oh no, I've always been an all night peer, but it's, oh, okay. it's worse cool. now. Um, so I will be, um, lying there and then, oh, sorry, I'm telling the actual story is that I pulled my neck. So I ended up, cause I've got this pregnancy pillow that's kind of between my legs and then up yeah. around my head at the same time. And I didn't release the pillow from my legs and kind of used my head to pull it and my neck just kind of pulled in this weird way but I pulled it straight and not like from side to side so it only hurt when I tilted my head back really far and I was like it is such a pleasure to hurt my neck and still be able to like drive the car and look from side to side so I was like I can't believe how lucky I've been with this neck injury like it's bad and it hurts but it's just so much more manageable than when you pull a side of your neck so yeah if, if you going to pull your neck pull it straight not to the side <laughs> do it that way Alrighty, so time to wrap up <laughs> uh don't forget we do have a patreon page uh and we've actually had a few more patreon uh subscribers in the last couple of weeks which has been amazing thank you so much uh we do have a goal of getting to 500 per month and we're very very slowly getting there but if you love this podcast and want to keep it in your ears please do support us through patreon and you can find us at patreon.com forward slash straight and curly And finally, do jump into the Facebook group and share your thoughts about this week's show. We would love to hear more about what gives your life meaning and what you do when you kind of feel like your life is lacking meaning. So yeah, we look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you so much for listening to Straight and Curly. This week's show notes and links will be available at straightandcurly.com. And if you have any questions or weird self-improvement hacks you want us to trial, you can tweet us at Kelly Exeter or at Smaggle, or you can email us at hello at straightandcurly.com. Bye.